Xbox gets a major reorg. Microsoft is saying goodbye to VR. And well, there's really just a lot to talk about. Happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday. Well, it's, uh, I say a lot to talk about because for it being the week before Christmas and happy holidays to everybody who celebrates and happy new year and happy Hanukkah and everything in between, uh, there really is a lot going on specifically when it comes to Xbox. For those who are new to the channel, typically on Fridays, I do a podcast where it's talking about everything Microsoft and Xbox and related, but this week, uh, particularly it's really heavy on Xbox because the Windows side was rather quiet and the Xbox side, uh, was much louder because there's, there's reorgs, there's data out, there's a whole bunch of stuff to kind of keep in mind. So this is really going to be Xbox focused for the most part, although there is a little bit of Windows news because Microsoft did fix that really annoying bug. At least they claim they fixed it. The one where File Explorer jumps to the top layer on Windows. But anyways, let's dive into the news. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Hopefully you have a good holiday coming up. Uh, there'll be no podcast uh, before Christmas, which is on Monday. So have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. Let's dig into the gaming news. So first off, uh, Microsoft is killing mixed reality. Now you might say, Brad, that's not gaming news. Well, it, let's be real here. This is Microsoft's VR effort. And there was a lot of hardware back at, you know, back in the day, like the late 2019, 2018, 2020s, that, around that time. Microsoft was big into the VR stuff and they had a, a development platform and they had Windows stuff and Microsoft saying, you are the weakest link, goodbye. And saying goodbye to that, which realistically, if you're on team Xbox here, I think that kind of indicates that Microsoft may not have a big desire to bring VR to the Xbox because if they are, they would also bring it to the PC to try to boost adoption. And the fact that they're shutting it down either means a, they have a whole new platform. They're about to launch unlikely or B you know, it's, it's done and we are moving on. And that's, that's what the impression that I think everybody's getting from Microsoft. Cause we haven't seen any real effort from them, uh, to try to bet out their VR experiences. And so there you go. Uh, some of the big news of the week on the positive side of life are Starfield. Starfield had Microsoft team Xbox is always a little interesting to say, this is an Xbox title because they, you know, they bought Bethesda, but whatever that Starfield actually has been doing quite well. 13 million players. Now I say doing quite well. We don't know what Microsoft's internal expectations are. We don't know what the full budget was, but whatever. So 13 million players with an average player uh, time of about 40 hours. And I will say that I think I fall right dead smack into about that 40 hour mark. I haven't been playing it a ton. I kind of came, I did, I accomplished and I enjoyed it and I have moved on. And so you can dig into the numbers there. They are what they are, but it it seems like Microsoft is pretty happy with these numbers. At least they're not going to come out and say, hey, we really missed the mark on this. Although I guess technically they could during their earnings call if they had bigger expectations for Game Pass growth. But I believe if memory, if memory serves me correctly, that Microsoft saw a pretty significant growth of Game Pass around the time of the launch of this title. And so there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Microsoft is doing that. Now, on the other number side, Sony dropped some information as well here. Sony dropped this information. Uh, the PS5 topped 50 million sales. Now, that is great for PlayStation. Actually, it's a, I believe if somebody did the math, and I believe it's a week faster than PS4. So, the, it, you know, lack of better terms, PS5 and PS4 selling had expanded 
about the same rate. Now, someone will come in and say, wow, that sounds terrible. It's only selling as good as the PS4. However, the PS4 sold pretty well. And there's this little thing called the pandemic that happened around the time of the PS5 launch. And there were serious, and I mean serious supply constraints, not just on the PlayStation side, but also on the Xbox side. And so, yeah, you know, it's good for Team PlayStation that they've hit 50 million. It is a good console. It's a good platform and it is doing well. And it really just kind of goes and shows why Microsoft needed to buy ABK because, hey, like that's the only way Microsoft is going to start to grow this. Now, the more interesting thing is Ampere, Ampere Analysis did some math here. And they're saying that this year, Sony looks like they sold about 22.5 million PS5 consoles, where Xbox only sold about 7.6. You do the math there, that's 3 to 1. And that is clearly a lot worse than the 2 to 1 ratio we were seeing last generation. It's you got to take everything with a grain of salt because yes, uh, on the tin that would say suggest like, hey, Xbox is not selling as well. But because of the supply constraints, things have been so screwed up that it's really hard to compare things one to one over this shorter time period. You got to look at it the entire the bigger generation. Where last year at this time we would say, hey, the Xbox has actually closed that gap quite a bit, and now that gap has expanded. So maybe it lands again at two to one. We don't really know. Keep in mind that Microsoft's really saying like, look, console hard hardware is great we are going for a game pass subscriptions that is what we want to be judged on because they can come from pc they can come from mobile they can come from other places and so the apples to apples comparison isn't always as easy as it is sony said the reason why it's selling so well is because of pent-up demand which is a pretty obvious culprit here uh no surprise that they've had issues getting things on store shelves it's also part of the reason probably why sony uh, didn't you know drop any pricing like look this thing's selling well microsoft's not dropping prices phil spencer you know quote unquote famous at this point for saying like look it's even hard to get ethernet port so uh, yeah. Anyways, you know, Sony's, it's selling well. There, there's no shame in that game and good for them. Now, on the Xbox side, there were a lot of changes this week. A lot of changes. So, as we all know, ABK is now fully inside the world of the Xbox family. Microsoft paid the check and now they are integrating all this stuff. So, whenever you have two orgs this size smashed together through an acquisition, merger, whatever... There's going to be changes, right? Things have to change. And because Activision is being acquired into Xbox, right? Xbox gets to dictate what's going on. So already we know that there's some big changes at the top. Bobby Kotick is his last day is February 29th, 2023. 0.0% of people are shocked by that. That's always been the narrative all along that he, you know, after this acquisition would go through, he would be leaving. And that's exactly it. Mikey Barra. Uh, you know, he was Team Green and then went over to Bethesda and now he's coming back. And so he'll report up to Matt Booty, but it's just, a, I'm not calling out every single head change here, but just because he was, you know, in Xbox, I actually met him a few times when he was in Xbox and went over to Bethesda and now he's coming back. It's called a boomerang sometimes in the world of Microsoft language. Now, Lulu uh, is a... I bring this individual up because I've quoted her on here and she was the, the uh, executive vice president of corporate affairs and chief communication officer really was a public face during the trial. And she will also be leaving at the end of January as she helps through the transition. Keep in mind, all of these ex executives were very well compensated. And so financial means are no longer an issue for them. And so they are moving on and I would fully expect that she would land another executive level role at another large company uh, in the near future. She did, I, I think, a good job helping Microsoft get this deal closed. And the fact that it did get closed, I think, is a testament to the good work that she did. And so that's going to happen now. 
What happens downstream, I think, is going to be a little less rosy, if you will, right? You have two massive organizations coming together, and there are going to be redundancies that are no longer needed. Part of the, the lure of bringing in a company in like Activision is that you can, there's efficiencies to be gained, right? You don't need accounting on both sides. You just need one accounting shop. You don't necessarily need full marketing on both sides because Xbox already has a marketing machine. Now, I hope Microsoft would be smart enough to try to retain the best practices practices from Activision before they sort of apply their own logic and methodologies to what Activision done because Activision has already proven that it can do things very well, especially when it comes to things like Call of Duty. Phil Spencer has already indicated that the development studios should continue to remain for the most part how they have been so far, even though they say that there will obviously be changes. Simple things like expense reporting will change, right? Policies will change, uh, but the structures internally are not changing massively, at least from that regard. However, However, the fire inside of Xbox has now been lit, right? Phil Spencer and company have gone on their shopping spree. They've bought Bethesda. They've bought up other studios. And then they dropped nearly $70 billion on ABK. It is now time for this org to get its butt together and really start growing. It has to be. There's no other thing that they can do where they can go out and acquire something this large and say, well, we need more titles. Microsoft has every single IP that it could ever need, in my opinion right now, to be a robust and growing organization, which means management, make no doubt about it. The board of directors, Satya, Amy Hood, the people who are, you know, who greenlighted this transaction are going to start burning the fire of Xbox because they have got to be hitting on all cylinders hopefully starfield was the start of something great obviously game development is still continues to be very very difficult and time consuming and it takes it takes years these titles don't get generated overnight we already know that there's a relatively long call of duty pipeline i can't see microsoft giving up those billion dollars uh that happen every single year but the fire to grow xbox will never burn brighter than it will in 2024 and beyond because it has to. You cannot spend this kind of money and then just limp your way along. I am expecting meaningful and aggressive growth from Microsoft going forward. And, and realistically, if they can't achieve that, then there's bigger issues at play because things like Call of Duty, Halo, all these titles that are now in there in Microsoft's portfolio should position them to be a top, tier producer of IP in the gaming industry pretty much every single quarter. And if they can't get to that sort of level with that many studios under the belt, then there's other things that are going to need to change. And I don't foresee things going poorly. I mean, Microsoft has set themselves up great. Microsoft has put themselves in a position to grow and to win. That is something they should, they deserve credit for and they deserve credit for because it's multimodal, meaning it's not just console. It's also on a mobile. Now they have a strategy. They have a good PC strategy. They have a good cloud strategy. All the pieces are in play. The only thing that is left now is execution by Xbox. And it's going to be super fun to watch. And I cannot wait to see how Microsoft continues to do this through 2024. But you have to keep in mind that Microsoft's ability to just, or I should say Xbox's ability to just spend money willy-nilly is no longer a thing. So I expect more sharper execution from the orcs because there's going to be more pressure. There's not going to be another Halo Infinite and I strongly don't think there's going to be another launch like Redfall because Microsoft cannot tolerate those sorts of 
of game releases that don't capitalize upon the investment. It's going to be interesting to see how they navigate these new structures because we I'm not trying to like ramble on here but the Microsoft has to be in a position where they are a game factory machine. That is sort of the narrative that bringing all this IP into house is allowing them to do, right? It's the not not quite Henry Ford model, but they should have a robust pipeline of games and they should just be falling off dropping them in the game pass day one day one for the foreseeable future and if they can't get there then something will have to change internally because microsoft is too deep now it's not a sunk cost fallacy by any means i mean xbox is in a good position to win now a lot of that could be tied to potentially a third-party game store on ios android wherever else but the fire and inside of xbox if it's not burning bright yet 2024 is when we will see that finally happen because it has to happen. And if it can't happen, then there's going to be bigger, harder changes. I still expect that there's going to be, um, just through logic and reasoning here, some sort of layoffs coming up. Or that's that's what happens with these sort of things. Now, I'm not. hopefully Microsoft does them well and does them appropriately, but there's no way that they can bring a whole company the size of Activision into Xbox and not be like, okay, this doesn't make sense for everybody to be here. Let's find a path for exit for people and compensate them fairly for working through the transition. That is just how acquisitions work. So anyways, uh, it's going to be a Herculean effort on the Xbox side. The work is far from done. Yes, the, the check has been signed. Yes, the cash has been distributed. Yes, the, the stock has been delisted and all that. But things just like revenue reporting, all of that has to get ironed out, right? There's going to be a lot of teething pains. Hopefully they don't manifest outside the company. They remain inside the company for now. But there's going to be teething pains. So like just getting finance on the same schedule as Xbox. And remember, Microsoft's fiscal year end is June 30th. It's not 12.30, and so they have to just align all these entities for revenue reporting, which Microsoft turns out pretty quickly, right? We'll learn pretty quick here how their quarter went uh, sometime like third-ish week of January is when we'll find out. And so maybe we'll learn more about Microsoft sales through the holidays. Well, actually, we definitely will in some capacity. Hopefully, we'll hear about strong Game Pass growth would be the expectation with things like Starfield and other uh, titles coming into the Xbox org, but we will see. We will see, my friends. So anyways, um, that's sort of the the what's now and what's next. And it's going to be, you got to be watching for it because um, they've got a lot to do. They've got a lot to do. That's all I'll say. So uh, on to my favorite part of the week, which is the questions. So every week I tweet out or zeet out or whatever you want to call it. It's at BD Sam's on just about every single platform. And uh, let's dive into the handful of questions we got this week. Ian says, what do you think? Next year holds for the Surface hardware and event. In particular, do you think the role of Surface has changed since the departure of Panos? I think the role of Surface has was already in the process of changing even under Panos because, hey, they were getting rid of the sort of high-risk bets like the Surface Duo, things that weren't panning out. And we were definitely seeing a refocusing of Surface on things that, hey, actually make money, actually sell in volume. The thing I think we will see particularly from Surface next year will be Surface hardware with NPUs that take advantage of whatever Windows is bringing down the pipeline that is AI-based. Microsoft will set up its hardware so that it's NPU-based. It's sort of a, a de facto experience on Surface, and they can run with that narrative. It's like, get the best of AI on Surface. Surface is the, we're going to see it demoed, going to see how it's utilized. So I would expect Surface Pro, which as a reminder, was not refreshed this year. It was not refreshed. I think they're saving that for the NPUs, which makes a lot of sense. So that's what I think it's going to be. 
Uh, Will says, recently you brought up the idea, oh, this is a great one. Recently you brought up the idea of writing how good a system can process AI requests. Yeah, one of the things I enjoy doing are these large language models, playing around with them, tinkering a bit, specifically in Windows. With NPU starting to become more mainstream, and I would use mainstream in quotation, there's very few devices, but yes, they are coming to market, which is completely fair. How is someone supposed to know how good or powerful an MP unit system is? For example, the Apple M3 chip is said to have 18 TOPS or TOPS of NPU performance, but what does that number mean in real life? This is a very fair and valid question. Does the NPU rating matter? And if so, do you have any thoughts on how this is gonna be communicated? So yes, I know ex I, I know what Microsoft is thinking here. So a couple days ago, a couple whatever, week, you know, days, maybe week at best, uh, I tweeted out, remember the scores that used to come with Windows Vista? You, the, it was a Windows Performance Index, I can't remember the name. I'll throw it up here on the screen. Microsoft is considering something very similar for NPUs to address exactly that. Because as a lay consumer, we don't know what an NPU is supposed to be. Like we have a rough idea. The old mentality was, you know, what megahertz is your processor? Because the faster the megahertz, the faster it is. Now that narrative of shift is like, how many cores do you have? And then even newer than that, it's how many performance cores do you have? How many efficiency cores? But that's basically how we've been doing it. When it comes to NPUs, we don't really have a baseline. Like when I say 18 tops, why did the TV just shut off behind me? When I say 18 tops, nobody, for the most part, I shouldn't say nobody, the vast majority of you listening have zero idea what that actually means. Myself included, by the way, and not to mention, we're, we're in such early days of the performance modeling that 18 tops is, it doesn't really mean much because in a year from now, we'll have better, more efficient tooling. And so you might get twice the performance. It's so early in these days. Microsoft just launched the Windows AI Studio. Uh, there's another one that I started tinkering with too. It's like open LLM, an app that makes it easier to use with Hugging Face. And there's other things out there. And those apps are still, again, in their infancy. So we, I, I would expect to see something from Microsoft that dictates out how uh, these things are going. One way we know that we can kind of see this is happening, if you look at the new, the new laptops coming out, see how reviewers will talk about the NPU performance. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. It's a great question though, Will, it really is. Uh, Greg Edwards says, so I was purchasing my teenage son yet another Xbox controller for Christmas. Yes, yes, Greg, you are the reason Microsoft keeps turning out in colors. Uh, the new Velocity Green model to replace the pulse red one I bought him last year, which developed a mysterious case of drift, drift across the thumbsticks, even though he swears up and down he has no idea how it possibly could have happened. Just no idea how these teenage kids break these things. Uh, uh, it got me looking at the graveyard of Xbox controllers I've replaced over the years. Probably 90% of them have been related to stick drift. Why is this such a problem for Microsoft to solve? I mean, NES controllers from 1986 that still have functions as flawless as they were new. So going to the Nintendo model specifically, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, the N6, I, I don't dating myself here a little bit, but not dating myself maybe as much as others. I know there were joysticks back in the day, but I don't know how they were actually built, uh, like Hall Effect or Spring Loaded or how that was going. Um, so let's, I was thinking the N64 controllers, the one that looked like cow udders, right? The three, and it had the analog stick in the middle. Mine definitely broke. <laughs> a lot of, uh, what was it, Mario Party, where you'd be like grinding that thing. And so to say that things from yesterday don't break uh, isn't completely true. But yes, one of the things to look for 
and Microsoft is looking at this on their new Elite controllers, or the Hall Effect sticks. You're not going to find them on your on your run-of-the-mill these Xbox controllers. These are not the good ones. Um, part of me, and this is a little bit deranged, maybe not deranged, is yeah your controller lasted a year yeah you're buying another one that's a great business model for microsoft it's not necessarily the best for reliability reasons but it's working um that being said i do have an elite series 2 that i've had for multiple years and i don't i have very minimal stick drift so part of it is potato of like how are you treating it part of it's potato of it's you know they're not the most robust things on the planet so and then Mr. PKI wrapping it up for the week. He says, hi, Brad. Since this is the best place on the internet to ask about rumors, it is Mr. PKI. Thanks for dropping in like you do on a weekly basis. I've heard that the Xbox Series X and S is not going to have a small interim refresh, but instead a major architectural update. Is that true? Can you shed any light on the details? So what this is referring to, I believe, is he's referring to next year and... If you, if you scroll back the clock to like September when that big FTC leak occurred, Microsoft had, what was it, Elliewood in Brooklyn. These were supposed to be effectively minor refreshes, right? A diskless uh, Series X and then a just kind of an internal refresh for the Series S, which would probably make it, I think, I believe it was going to make it more uh, cooler. Not more performant, but just better packaged and better designed internally so that it would be cheaper to produce. It sounds like Microsoft is going to be going away from that model and might be doing a much bigger refresh in uh, as early as 2026. We don't know what this thing's going to be called. We don't know if it would be a, a Series X Pro, something else. The big telltale sign will be like, what does Microsoft launch next year? If they release nothing next year, that means that Brooklyn and Elliewood didn't happen and they are going to that 2026 release cadence. And then that would add validity to that rumor. If they do release the Brooklyn and Elliewood next year, then the 2026 release doesn't seem as plausible, at least yet. So uh, just keep that in mind that Microsoft right now is trying to do this balancing act. And considering that they're tightening their belt up, I think, a little bit on the Xbox side, it would not surprise me if they would not develop those products out, just continuing doing exactly what they're doing because it's a very linear path on the on the expense chart, right? They already know exactly how much it costs to produce a Series X. There's no new tooling. There's no new nothing else that has to go into effect. To do these Elliewood in Brooklyn, they got to get new tooling up. They got to get new PCBs. They got to do all that work. Then they got to produce them. Then they got to get them in the shelf. Then they got to do marketing. All that has it cost. And Microsoft right now is trying to juggle like, is that additional cost to save money on a unit basis worth the effort? Are we going to make more money to justify it? And right now they're doing that cost benefit analysis. I suspect actually they may have already done it. And that's why we're not hearing it because you got to figure it's got to take probably at least two years to take a design from basically like this is what we're going to build to get the tooling up and running, to get the marketing up and running, to get the boxes up and running, to get that whole assembly line moving is not a short process. They can't do that in six months. It's going to take time. So I think next year at this time, we'll know exactly what Microsoft's plans are. And it's a wonderful question as well. As always, everybody, that wraps it up for this week. Hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody had a good week. Hopefully everybody has a good holidays. Hopefully everybody's happy. And, uh, you know, make sure you guys keep it subscribed here because on the BS on this podcast is me. <laughs>